Thanks for listening to this podcast of Trending with Timory. If you haven't already subscribed, please catch us wherever you love to listen to your podcast, from the Relevant Radio app to Apple, YouTube, you name it, we are there. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, please be sure to go and give us a five-star review to help other people discover the podcast. Anything you share in terms of episodes, whether it's texting it to a friend, posting on social media, helps to build up the kingdom for God to help confront the challenging issues we face as a culture, but with joy, with hope, and with an eternal perspective where our faith collides with everyday life, bringing eternal principles to help us live our life joyfully. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio. Just moments ago, my sister sent me a photo of her baby 30 weeks in the womb, growing, looking just like her. And oh my goodness, it brought me to tears. I'm saying thank you to my sister because here I am getting ready to go live on the show. But this is what today is about. It is a historic moment that baby 30 weeks old in this nation through Roe versus Wade 50 years ago in 1973. It was deemed the law of the land in this nation that a woman could kill her baby the same day she's giving birth, choose instead to have an abortion, move that baby, reposition, and have that child killed. 40 weeks into her pregnancy, 39, 27, 15, to that was the decision of the Supreme Court in 1973. And today is a day of excellence for us in America. I know God has to be smiling upon this nation. I know I was talking to my mom a couple weeks ago and she said, I really do believe if we overturn Roe versus Wade, God is going to bless this nation. And I pray so. Remember, overturning Roe versus Wade means that the decision of abortion goes back to the states where it was before and where the majority of states in this great nation, and this is a day to celebrate our great nation, in this nation had outlawed abortion across the nation. In fact, I read through the majority opinion, the entire majority opinion today by Justice Alito, and it followed almost verbatim uh, what was seen in the leaked opinion that was released at the beginning of May. And I'm just going to pause for a moment here. It's an exciting and I think emotional day for so many of us. And just ponder the fact that this is divine intervention in human history, an answer to prayer, an answer to years of work. Today we celebrate the movable feast of the Sacred Heart of Jesus. And look what happened today, a great miracle. We also celebrate the nativity of John the Baptist, the birth of John the Baptist, who ushered in our Lord Jesus Christ, announced and proclaimed our Lord Jesus Christ. John the Baptist, who leapt for joy in his mother's womb at the acknowledgement of the presence of Christ, speaking to the humanity of the baby in the womb, and Jesus Christ incarnate. This is a historic day within the church and within society. And the fact that these days happen on such significant feast days, you cannot deny 
as a person of faith, as a Catholic, that God continues to intervene in human history. And for everyone who has been involved in pro-life work, especially some of those heroic sidewalk counselors who weekend after weekend, sometimes day after day, stand in front of that abortion clinic and pray and counsel women. Thank you for being there and thank you for continuing to be there. And thank you for setting that example for so many of us who have seen your bold witness. To those who have been involved politically, to those who have raised beautiful pro-life families, to those who have donated to pro-life causes, to those who have worked in our crisis pregnancy centers, volunteered time in crisis pregnancy centers, been involved in education and activism, thank you for your witness in the pro-life movement. Thank you. I know that you have influenced me. You've influenced and changed the hearts of so many people. The Texas Attorney General, Ken Paxton, shut down his office today. He tweeted, abortion is now illegal in Texas, and today I'm closing my office and making it an annual holiday as a memorial to the 70 million lives lost because of abortion. This is a day that we will not forget. You know, it's incredible. I spent this morning, (laughs) I woke up, I'm here on the West Coast right now in California, and I spent the whole week with 100 youth who have chosen, these high school students, who chose to give a week out of their summer up to be trained in their faith and pro-life activism and pro-life education to go out into the world and be profound, loud, resounding voices for life and for truth. And it was exciting to see them there because I was telling them this morning, you're never going to forget where you were when you when you learned that Roe versus Wade was overturned. You were here. You were already committing your, your life to doing pro-life work. And it's a reminder for us, and I want to talk about this a little later on today during the show, what are we going to do? Because the decision of abortion returns to the states. In my beautiful home state of California, we will be here a sanctuary state, unfortunately, for abortion, even paying for people from out of state to have the abortions, even um, laws that are currently in the state legislature where people try to say that um, the right to kill a baby after birth was taken out of the bill, but it's in fact still there. Uh, the fact that a woman can kill her child uh, via perinatal definition and anyone who aids her that that person shouldn't be investigated. And that's how bad California is. But then you have states like Mississippi, Texas, Ohio, and many states, in fact, about almost 25 states, half the states in this nation that have enacted pro-life laws. We have roughly 25 states across the nation that have trigger laws that will essentially go into effect immediately today or over the next 30 days. Very, very exciting news I shared with you earlier this week, but I want you to recognize how joy-filled this is. Abortion clinics are stopping taking appointments for abortion. Abortion clinics had to cancel appointments for abortions. Some of the abortion clinics in Wisconsin and others across the nation announced they would no longer take abortion appointments effective tomorrow while they knew Roe versus Wade was being overturned. They knew the bad science 
the lack of medical science, the bad legal arguments, the lack of legal arguments and substance Roe versus Wade, and that it would not be upheld in court with Supreme Court justices who truly believe in the Constitution and a proper interpretation of the Constitution and what our founders intended. You're listening to Trending with Timory here on Relevant Radio. If you'd like to share uh, a question, have a question about what's happening in relation to Roe versus Wade, uh, please give me a call. The number is 1-888-914-9149. You can also share your question now on Instagram. So uh, what happened today? We'll get to that in a moment. Donnie's calling from Santa Monica. Donnie, welcome to Trending. A great day to be here together and celebrate. What's your question today? Well, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I'm struggling a lot, you know, because we, we passed this, but there's just a problem where I have a 13-year-old sister who's pregnant now, and they mm. say that if she has the baby, she's going to die. And I just think that I, I don't know, you know, I, I read my Bible and I, and I'm, I, I just don't know, you know, but she's pregnant. She's, she's 13, you know, and we, she, something happened, you know, there's some legality problems, but it's, it's just, it's a problem because she's just so young. And then the doctors say that she's not going to, she's not going to be able to make it if she has this baby, you know? Donnie, why are they saying that your sister will die if she has this baby? Because she's so young, and she they say that there, there's just too many complications with her age, and 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 it'll just it'll just it, it, there's a very high likely that she won't make it, you know. And they Donnie, they, they said yeah. that 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 she just she already has some health problems too, and and it's mm-hmm. just it's just something that I'm really worried for, and I'm I'm asking more in a faith way that I don't yeah. know really where to go with this. Yeah, Donnie, I'm really sorry to hear your concern about your sister and fear about her health. You know, teen pregnancy is always a scary circumstance, uh, no matter what the circumstances are. But I think some things to remember, we live in a culture where our medical uh, physicians, unfortunately, are very pro-abortion, and they tend to scare people because of that and encourage people into an abortion decision because they think, since this girl doesn't have to have her baby because abortion is legal, that she shouldn't. And they think that they can impose their medical uh, professionalism or so-called medical tout on on people to say that this is a dangerous situation. The truth of the matter is, is that teen pregnancy was far more common historically in the world. I'm not saying that this is what we should be doing today, but the, the studies and the research shows that women are actually stronger and better and um, more equipped in their bodies to handle pregnancy uh, in those later teen years. Grant, your sister's very, very young. But what I'm saying is that even with some of these health issues, it's important to recognize that we live in a medical field today that is very pro-abortion and encouraging abortion when they think that circumstances are less than ideal. And then they create and encourage these that circumstances are less than ideal to encourage people to have abortions. And so I will tell you firsthand, having worked in the crisis pregnancy centers, unfortunately, I have seen many teen girls 
being in front of the abortion clinics, being in the crisis pregnancy centers who have been as young as your sister and actually some even younger who have been pregnant and who have given birth to babies and have survived. The truth of the matter is, Donnie, is that if your sister who's 13 years old goes through with an abortion, she's going to have to face the aftermath of abortion. Pelvic inflammatory disease is very common among women who have abortions, which can lead to everything from infertility to future ectopic or tubal pregnancies, which is extremely dangerous for mom and, and is life-threatening for both mom and baby. And yes, she made choices and she got into this circumstance where at 13 she's pregnant and none of us would like to see her being pregnant or having a baby at this age, but she is. And there are two people here. And we cannot be duped by medical professionals who say that she should abort. Pregnancy is something that women go through. It's a part of women's health. And they should be doing everything they can to fight for your sister's life and health and the baby's life and health and not be trying to convince her to do something that is bad for her body bad for her soul, and bad for her psychologically. We know, especially for teenagers, that the depression can settle in at times immediately following that abortion. And depression can be a very serious thing that teenagers already face. Anxiety and all of these symptoms in our culture um, that are very common for teenagers are even further exacerbated by something such as abortion. And I could spend hours talking to you about the medical, psychological, and spiritual fallout of abortion. But the reality is, is that if that sweet sister of yours is encouraged or pressured to have an abortion, she will live for the rest of her life with the fallout of abortion. The rest of her life. Whether pressured or chosen to have that abortion, Post-abortion syndrome is such a significant trauma to women. And women are being counseled in their 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, all the way up to through the end of their life because of the trauma that abortion has caused. I hope and I really do believe that this is not something you want for your sister. She can place her child for adoption if you so choose and your family so chooses, it, you can choose as a family to raise that baby within the family. But ending that child's life will do no service to your beautiful little sister. Your sister needs to be loved and supported by through the most trying of circumstances, whatever got her here. But having that abortion will not heal her. And I just want to remind you that all of it from a faith perspective, because you were asking about that, how do we deal with crises such as these when, you know, you have a sibling 13 years old who's pregnant? Well, I think about how so much of salvation history centers around miraculous pregnancies in old age and miraculous pregnancies in young age. Throughout the Old Testament, we read a story such as Sarah and Abraham, who in their old age miraculously had a child. And the people who people would argue is a geriatric mother, you know, someone who should never have a child and should have an abortion in today's world. And yet look at what we would be missing in the world had the children, the descendants of Abraham and Isaac not been with us today. 
So miraculous birth, again, less than ideal circumstances in your sister's case, but God can intervene and work in those moments. I think of our Lord Jesus Christ, born to a teenager who it's believed that she was roughly about 13 years old. And that was common at that point in history for pregnancy to be a part of it. And so again, this pro-abortion mindset we have today has sullied the waters when people find themselves in less than ideal situations that we encourage abortion. But having children was normal at younger ages. It's so ironic to me that we argue that if someone is a little bit older, I mean, even just 30 years old, they're a geriatric mom and should reconsider whether or not having children. And then the the same pro-abortion mindset is influencing younger women to not have children because they're so young. Donnie, we need to pray and trust. Ask our ladies intervention for your sister in life choices and healing from the circumstances that brought her here, but for health and wholeness for her and that baby. And I hope that you are a voice that can fight and fight boldly for that life. Donnie, do you have any questions for me? I, I, I understand. I, I definitely, I, 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 I see where you're going. It's just the only problem is, is that he's, you know, it's a family doctor and, and, and he's also, a, he's a Catholic, you know, and, and it's just, it's just a lot of struggles and, and he, I just don't want my sister to die. I really mm-hmm. don't want my sister to die. And I just, I just think that, you know, this, this, this baby that, that, that she's pregnant with, you know, it was, it was under circumstances that, led on bad circumstances, a very bad man. And and I just don't want my sister to die for this man's child. And I just don't know. I just, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm Catholic and I believe in, and I believe in the book, but I just think that in certain circumstances, shouldn't some of these things be allowed to some? Mm -hmm. So you're saying we should put one life above the other? No, I, I, I don't know. I just think I just think that there's some circumstances that some things are necessary. I mean, we have the death penalty. We have things all around the world. I mean, you do one thing and something bad happens. I'm not trying to put this on the child's life, but mm-hmm. I just think for my sister who had gone through what she had and now she has this baby and, and, and now she's most likely going to die, I just think that maybe in this circumstance... God could forgive and God could see that, you know, we just don't want to lose her. We don't want to lose baby Grace. And, and, and what happened to her was absolutely terrible. And I just don't know, you know, I, I just, I just think that I think in this circumstance, just my faith and in my prayers and in me asking God, I, I, I see, I see a past that, that doesn't necessarily mean damnation for her soul or for ours. I think that, this is a circumstance that's just out of our hands at this point because she will die. And I, I believe that. How that, do you that, know that, your that, sister will die from having a child? She has cystic fibrosis and, and she's not very healthy. You know, she already has some problems and she has some, there's just already medical issues that my sister goes through. And there was, just a problem with some family friends and stuff like that. I, I don't want to get into the how she got pregnant, but yeah. mm-hmm. it's just one of those things where, you know, we've we've gone to a lot of medical doctors, and we have a family doctor who's who's Catholic and he's with us, and 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 he's the one that also really was just like, you know, took us all aside, not with her, and just said, look, this is what is very likely going to happen, you know, and 
my mother's in shambles and, and my father, you know, he's 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 kind of leaning on one way of, of, of getting this abortion and, and I just believe at this point, you know, just my baby sister, she's so innocent, she's so young, she, this shouldn't have happened mm-hmm. to her in the first place. And I just don't see mm-hmm. a reason why we need to force her through this bearing process and for her to ultimately die. You know, or maybe she lives, you know, but she will have many issues as well, you know, and, 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 and I just think it's one of these situations that you just, you have to, I don't know, I just, I just see, I just see, I just, I can't see a reason why God wouldn't allow this one, you know, I just can't see it. I can't, I, I, it's, it's just, it's something that, you know, I just keep on thinking about the death penalty. I keep on thinking about a lot of things, you know, that, that, that our, that our world goes right, through. Right, right. Well, Donnie, it's, with, right, with regard to the death penalty, Donnie, death penalty is allowing for the killing of people who are guilty of having committed a crime. Um, that's not comparable with abortion. I'm not even going to get into the morality of the death penalty, but we're talking about with, if you try to compare it to the death penalty, death penalty has to do with someone who committed a crime. A baby hasn't committed any crime. There are two human beings, your sister and another child. If your sis, if your sister was holding a baby in her arms, but let's say the belief that caring for that child could harm her, would you be okay killing that baby in her arms? Absolutely not. Even if you knew or believed believed that, that caring for that child could be, let's argue, the death of her. You know, Donnie, you're clearly a person of faith. I see that you're grappling with this. You're praying through this. Compassion for your sister does not justify killing a baby. And, you know, perhaps... An early delivery, maybe if if physicians find that medically necessary, you know that that is a circumstance where people arguably have used an early delivery to help um, retrieve the baby once we know that baby could potentially and hopefully live outside of the womb. But if you believe in God, God works miracles. He intervenes in human history. He changes and he saves. God can do anything. He can work in the midst of the worst circumstances. And I know he can work in the midst of this circumstance with your sister and that he's there with your family and he's calling you all to choose the right thing. And I know you're thinking that the right thing could be having an abortion for your 13-year-old sister. But do you know what post-abortion syndrome looks like? Just touching on the surface, you I, I understand you're concerned about your sister potentially dying in childbirth, but there's a death that can come to your sister through having chosen abortion for her and with her or having encouraged her. Women who go through with abortions, whether forced, encouraged, or by choice, experience guilt, a 40% increase nearly in anxiety. They can have difficulty bonding in future relationships. They have nearly a 40% increase likelihood toward depression, a 115% increased likelihood to suicide, marijuana use, substance abuse, alcohol abuse. And I could go on and on about eating disorders, nightmares. This is not something that you want for your sister. I understand your concern if she will survive giving birth to this baby, but it's also important you understand she may not be able to survive 
having had an abortion. This this could ruin her for the rest of her life. And we should be fighting to give her the best possible medical care, to give her baby the best possible medical care for the best possible outcome after that birth. And so, I, Donnie, I want to pray with you, and I want to pray for you, and I want to pray for your sister. We're going to come back in a minute. If you will, I'd like to pray together. Let's actually, we'll pray now, Donnie. Let's pray a Hail Mary together. If you'll repeat um, the second, recite the second half of the Hail Mary with me. Donnie, your sister's name, did you say is Grace? Hey, Grace. I said baby Grace. I just, I wanted to say one last thing. Just, just one last thing, and, and then we'll get We have just Mary. a minute. Yeah, we have just a minute, so I do have to just, go, but let's minute, pray together. Just, I'm sorry. We have, we have just a minute. We're about to go to the break, and I want to be able to pray with you, Donnie. I ha- I'm running up against the clock. Let's pray together in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, we place and entrust grace into your hands and her baby and this entire family, especially Donnie. Guide them in their decision. Protect them. Protect this baby. Protect grace. And we pray together. We'll pray now. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady of Hope, pray for us and pray for Grace, Donnie, and their family. St. Joseph, Terror of Demons, pray for them. And St. Gianna, pray for them and bring them a miracle. Amen. In the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. This hour is sponsored by Solidarity HealthShare. Join thousands who choose ethical and affordable health care. Go to catholichealthshare.com. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Heavy moments here on Trending. Just asking you again, pray for Donnie. Pray for his sister Grace. and praying for that family. I will pray for them every day. I hope you will keep them by name in your intentions that they keep this baby and fight for this baby's life as they fight for their sister's life. Today, the Supreme Court overturned the decision of Roe versus Wade and Planned Parenthood versus Casey. I want to walk through this. I read the majority opinion today and just a little overview. I'm sure that you have been watching and paying attention to what's happening. Um, I mentioned earlier abortion clinics announced earlier in the week they were stopping taking abortion appointments effective tomorrow, but abortion clinics are having to cancel abortion appointments today if a law in their state is a trigger law effectively functioning immediately or some working within 30 days um, to uphold that pro-life law in that state. The Supreme Court voted to overturn Roe versus Wade in a 5-3-1 decision. A little confusing. Um, I was still trying to work my way through it this morning as I was sharing a live on Instagram and um, so it's a 5-3-1 decision. I'll break down and kind of help you understand what happened here. So the majority opinion was a was issued by Justice Alito. He was joined by Thomas Gorsuch and Kavanaugh and Judge Barrett in this decision. Now, Justice 
John Roberts, a Chief Justice John Roberts, wrote a concurring opinion. So what it means is, in part, he concurred, agreed with the decision, but not in full. What he wanted was to focus on upholding the 15-week abortion ban in the state of Mississippi. This is the Dawes versus Jackson Women's Health Court case that came before the case before the Supreme Court. He wanted to uphold that Mississippi 15-week abortion ban as constitutional, which would mean that it would be approved as a constitutional ban on abortion that uh, essentially overrides this viability line that Planned Parenthood uh, versus Casey and Roe versus Wade created, this arbitrary line when abortion could or could not be regulated. Although he agreed in upholding the constitutional ban on abortion at 15 weeks in Mississippi, he did actually want um, rare circumstances of exceptions in that. However, what he opposed and why he wrote a concurring opinion saying, I agree in part, but not in full, he wanted to leave the decision of a constitutional right to abortion, whether or not there was one. He said to leave it for another day, whether to reject any right to an abortion at all. So what he wanted to do is just address the Mississippi case punt the case, say, okay, yes, the Mississippi law, 15-week abortion ban, can be upheld and can be considered constitutional, but we're not going to overturn Roe versus Wade, and we're not going to overturn Planned Parenthood versus Casey. What he wanted to do was to create a new regulating line as to when abortion could or could not be made legal or illegal. He wanted to decide for another day if abortion is or is not constitutional. Uh, comments were made about, you know, by six weeks, a woman really does know when she's pregnant. And so he started to comment about, you know, we could do a few week intervals as to when we allow for abortion to be legal. So he kind of talks about trying to make up this arbitrary line for when when abortion um, should or should not be legal. But this is what's fascinating to me. Um, I pray for Justice John Roberts. You know, he wanted to do some good, but not enough good. I mean, John Roberts, who is also a Catholic, um, John Roberts, who is a constitutional attorney, John Roberts, who holds the position on the highest court in this nation, and he did not want to decide. What, and so he's not saying whether or not he thinks there's a constitutional right to abortion. He's just saying he didn't want to decide it in this case. So John Roberts is guilty and known for often trying to uh, mitigate between the two sides of the court and find a middle ground here. Um, but I think this is absolutely outrageous that he wanted to try and create a new arbitrary line. He is doing what the Supreme Court did back in 1973 with Roe versus Wade and in 1992 with Planned Parenthood versus Casey. And that is play the arbiter of life and death. And that is what the Supreme Court is saying. No, we don't have a right to do that. There's no constitutional right to abortion. His pride is getting in the way of truth, the truth of the matter of the Constitution. This is why the majority opinion written by Justice Alito is so profound. I'm going to walk us through some really important points in this majority opinion uh, that show why there's no constitutional right to 
abortion. Now, the dissenting opinions came from Justices Breyer, Sonia Sotomayor, and Elena Kagan. Um, it's interesting because one of the big concerns from Breyer, Breyer, Sotomayor, Kagan, and Roberts had to do with what you probably heard referred to as stare decisis, or the precedence of the court and precedence of cases. What that refers to is the idea that um, like cases should be decided in like manner. So, for example, we already have the primary abortion cases, Over versus Wade, Doe versus Bolton, Planned Parenthood versus Casey, and others. Because those allow for abortion the way it is, um, we should continue to address any future court cases before the Supreme Court on abortion in the same way, following a similar type of decision. And so why do they want this? One, because they want to uphold what they view as precedence and stare decisis, the integrity of the court. But this is outrageous. That's like saying I shouldn't apologize, correct myself, or make up with someone for doing something wrong. That's pride. That is absolute pride on the part of the court. And what the majority opinion issued by Alito uh, emphasizes is that, no, when something is outrageously wrong, we need to correct it. And that's actually what upholds the integrity of the court. And it was never intended by stare decisis or by the precedence of the court to ignore when something was done wrong. Now, again, I mentioned this opinion is nearly identical to the leaked draft that came out at the beginning of the month. And if you have a question today, number is 1-888-914-9149. Okay, let's get into a little bit of the meat of the Supreme Court decision. Uh, we read here that uh, Justice Alito writes, the Constitution does not confer, these are historic words, listen up, the Constitution does not confer a right to abortion. Rowan are overruled and the authority to regulate abortion is returned to the people and their elected representatives. We read that Roe was egregiously wrong and on a collision course with the Constitution from the day it was decided. In other words, it was a made-up right. In fact, they make very clear in the majority opinion as you walk through it that Roe versus Wade essentially uh, tried to make up this right to privacy in the Constitution. And that's what they use to keep abortion legal. And then Planned Parenthood versus Casey used the 14th Amendment, all of which making up a right to abortion and there actually not being a right to abortion. There's a warning that is issued, I really believe, in this majority opinion from Justice Alito, being joined by four other justices, uh, Kavanaugh, Gorsuch, Barrett, and Thomas. The warning is to the courts, both the current Supreme Court, the justices, as well as judges sitting on the benches of other courts. They say this in the opinion, given that procuring an abortion is not a fundamental constitutional right, it follows that the states may regulate abortion for legitimate reasons. And when such regulations are cha challenged under the Constitution, courts cannot substitute their social and economic beliefs for the judgment of legislative bodies. What does this mean? He's reemphasizing that there is not a fund fundamental constitutional right to abortion, and he's explaining that the courts, the judges 
on various benches in this nation cannot push forward their personal, social, and economic beliefs when deciding on cases that come before them having to do with abortion. Because he said it is, a cons- it is allowed that the states can regulate abortion for abortion or against abortion. And so what he's saying is don't legislate from the bench, judges. This isn't your job. This isn't your rule. This isn't your role. And that is why this current case is having to be overturned. That is Planned Parenthood versus Casey and Roe versus Wade. He's emphasizing that courts must not recognize or must recognize that there's no constitutional right to abortion. So don't try to battle in such a way. It is interesting that if you read the dissenting opinion, Justices Breyer, Sonia Sotomayor, and Kagan really focus in on one thing. And the idea is they like abortion, they want abortion, therefore abortion is constitutional. Making no no legal or no medical argument uh, for abortion itself. So the... Again, it was major that the court uh, didn't punt this. There are a lot of cases that we have before the court, and they kind of just tried to find a middle ground and a soft response without actually having to deal with the bigger issues. So what was concerning is that people thought that they might just uphold the 15-week Mississippi abortion ban as constitutional, therefore kind of doing away with viability. But then the question was, what would they do to create a new line regulating abortion? Who would make that up? And that was the concern of the court. If you listen to oral arguments back in December, they didn't see how they had any responsibility or right to make up that that line. That's why I think many of us, when we heard those oral arguments, actually were really hopeful that day saying these justices recognize they can't create an arbitrary line as to when abortion should or should not be regulated. And so it's a lesson for all of us that the Supreme Court justices had the courage, the tenacity to go all the way and to not just do something halfway, to not punt and avoid making a decision, to not give a vague answer. No, they had tremendous integrity. And I am so thankful for these justices, Alito, Thomas, Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, and Barrett, and I do pray for all of our Supreme Court justices. I pray for all of their safety, and I hope you will too, especially in the days to come. Um, there are warnings across the nation right now that after 8 p.m., the pro-abortion, some pro-abortion individuals and groups are threatening very serious violence tonight. In fact, um, I want to remind you of something, and I really hope you'll take this to heart because it's very important. Whether it's people who are violent because of this abortion decision, whether it's people who are yelling over this abortion decision, whether it's people who are calling names over this abortion decision, please, I'm begging you to recognize one very important thing, that many people who are very loud fighting for abortion many of them have experienced and been through and chosen abortion themselves. I do believe that while it's horrible that a woman chooses to abort her child, I believe our culture, our culture of abortion has made a woman the second victim in a vast majority of cases of abortion. Women have been lied to. 
We have been told that we cannot be functioning members of society without abortion. We have been told that we will die without access to abortion. We have been told we will not have an education, that we will not have a family when we want, that we will not be able to work and compete in the workforce against men if we do not have access to abortion. This is one of the most outrageous lies I have ever heard, but women have been brainwashed and brainwashed for years being told this. The Supreme Court today said the court over, overrules these decisions and return the authority to the people and their elected representatives. The power to determine whether or not abortion will be illegal or legal, regulated or unregulated, returns back to the people back to the individual states. I want to come back briefly talking about the quality of reasoning of Roe versus Wade, their concern, and we'll also discuss, uh, I think, a few really important things that include everything from why women will still be able to compete in the workforce and academically, why we women don't need abortion, and why being pro-life is best for women and our future. Today's show is sponsored by Colby Academy. With more than 40 years of experience in Catholic home education, Colby Academy offers a blend of classical Catholic curriculum and the latest education technology. More info at relevantradio.com slash Colby. We're talking about what you're thinking about. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. It's a historic moment in human history, a moment of excellence for us. Praise God, we have fought and we have fought to overturn an outrageous wrong done in our nation. That is the legalization of abortion by our Supreme Court in 1973, upheld these 50 years and isn't it so fitting that we see divine intervention in human history and answer to prayer in years of work in the pro-life movement? I just want to thank every single pro-life advocate who has fought in whatever way you have fought, whatever your place has been in front of the abortion clinic, legislatively donating, raising pro-life families, wherever you have been, thank you. Thank you for the witness that so many of you have given to me. Would not be doing what I do today if it weren't for people, including my mother and many others, who fought so passionately for the right to life for these innocent babies and who fought to emphasize that abortion hurts women. And today on the feast day, that movable feast day of the Sacred Heart of Jesus, God intervening in human history, Sacred Heart of Jesus having mercy on our nation, having mercy on the women of our nation. We've been told the lie that we need abortion to be members of society. And today on the feast day of St. John the Baptist, who his feast day, the feast day of his nativity, the feast day of his birth, we celebrate the birth of this baby. 
I especially ask you to pray for the intercession of St. John the Baptist for Donnie and his family as his 13-year-old sister Grace is pregnant and they're being encouraged to abort the baby. They're concerned about her health and her making it through the pregnancy. But please pray for this, this little girl. Pray for her baby. Pray for this family to do the right thing, to have faith in God and the miraculous good that he can bring from any situation. We pray for the intercession of St. John the Baptist on his feast day, the feast of his nativity. Okay, there's so much I have to say. It's overwhelming. I was talking earlier. I've actually been speechless today um, and very emotional just thinking about the reality of this. I shared with you, I was, oh gosh, Lord help me, but like nearly in tears as I started this show, my sister sent me a photo of her baby 30 weeks 30 weeks along in the womb, this beautiful photo of this little face. It's just so full of flesh and so beautiful. And I just look at my little niece there in that photo. And I say, praise God that, you know, we have about 25 states that have pro-life laws right now that will be activated right away. Uh, five of those states that had laws prior to Roe versus Wade that will be uh, Im- either immediately or within 30 days um, start functioning. And then, and then also the other states, about 20, 17 to 20 of them um, that have passed over the last 20 years, especially the last five years, pro-life um, legislation. But I look at it and the, praise God, these states are passing laws that ban abortion where 30-week abortion will not be allowed. So, you know, my baby niece at that age, I can't, you know, in a lot of states that won't be, you know, an option to abort these children. But I remember looking at my, my little niece when she was seven weeks old, you know, growing and seeing those photos of her when she was 15 weeks old. The truth of the matter is, is that when women who are abortion minded, abortion vulnerable, see their ultrasound, hear the heartbeat of their baby, the, the Crisis Pregnancy Centers re- report statistics as high as 7 out of 10 to 8 out of 10 women choose to keep their babies. We need to focus on the humanity of that baby, reminding ourselves, reminding these mothers, reminding these physicians who are often very pro-abortion, reminding them that these babies are a life separate from the mother though dependent on the mother, is right where that baby should be. And that the most protected and safest place that that child could be is right there in that mother's womb. That's what you, that's the place that that child has a right to. When reading through the Supreme Court decision of Roe versus Wade, and if you're just joining us, you're listening to Trending with Timory here on Relevant Radio on a historic day, Justice Alito talked about the reasoning um, behind the Roe versus Wade decision. And he said that it was without any grounding in the constitutional text, history, or precedent that Roe was imposed on the entire nation. He said Roe's failure even to note the overwhelming consensus of state laws in effect in 1868 is striking. And what it said about common law was simply wrong. So what he's saying is that um, when they look at is there or is there not a constitutional right to X, Y, or Z, and it's not explicitly written in the Constitution, what they have to do is they have to go back to that time and look at, well, what was intended by the Constitution? So they look at 
the law of that time. And so what he did is he did an analysis of laws at the time of Roe versus Wade. And he does an analysis of the philosophical thinking, the legal thinking of both here in the United States as well as in British common law. And, and he cites state laws going back to 1868 that were extremely pro-life where they found no constitutional right to abortion and there was no historical or implied evidence for the implied meaning of a right to abortion in the constitution in fact where there was some access given to abortion for abortion it had to do with a very arbitrary line at that time having to do with what's known as quickening quickening would be when a mother can start feeling her baby move and if a woman could feel her baby move well that was the line drawn on the sand as when a woman may or may not be able to access abortion in some rare circumstances now what's interesting is that even prior to the staunch medical technologies we have today where we know so much about that window into the womb the pro-life li the line as to when you could or couldn't regulate some access to abortion was much earlier some women feel their babies moving as early as seven, eight, and eight weeks. That baby oh, is so tiny. Women usually often feel their babies feel moving by in around 17 weeks. Some feel their babies as early as 14. I felt uh, my baby girl moving at 14 weeks. And this is interesting that you know, the way that when there was some access given to abortion before, it was based on when movement was. Well, that's way before the current line that the court had made up of viability, which currently is 22 weeks, but at the time was much later based on medical technologies. Now, um, it's interesting because uh, Justice Alito actually gives an example of legal cases against abortion prior to Roe versus Wade in United States history. And he looks at common law authorities such as Blackstone, Coke, and Hale, and all of them agreed that abortion was a crime after quickening. So at the very least, after movement was noticeable, detectable by the mother, they 100% agreed abortion must be outlawed. Henry de Bracton in the 13th century in a treatise wrote that if a person struck a woman who was pregnant, struck a woman who was pregnant, or had given her poison, or did anything to cause an abortion, the killing of that baby, that essentially that person committed homicide. And so it's just amazing to me because what happens in the majority opinion by Justice Alito is he actually walks through many of the various state laws. And these state laws that actually very much so upheld upheld the pro-life laws. And it's interesting because two of these laws that he outlines in the majority opinion, laws that were prior to Roe versus Wade, go to specifically two very pro-abortion states today that are pro-abortion states that will be upholding abortion in their state in today as we move forward. And those include New York and Illinois. I'm pulling my notes from the majority opinion right now because I'd like to read to you just a little bit about what they say here. Here it is. So in New York, the law as of 1828 said anyone administering an abortion be deemed guilty of manslaughter in the second degree. That was New York prior to Roe versus Wade. Illinois in 1827, anyone trying to access abortions shall thereof be duly convicted, imprisoned, and fined. You see, Prior to Roe versus Wade and the justices making up a legal so-called constitutional right to abortion, the nation was pro-life. You and I have a response. 
a response that we must have in our culture today to help rebuild a culture of life, rejecting the culture of death that has ravaged the lives of so many women, has robbed men of the responsibility, the maturity of fatherhood, that has destroyed, mutilated, and killed children. Today is the day when the battle over abortion begins. Whether you're in a pro-life state, a pro-abortion state, or whatever state you are in, I'm calling you to discern what can I do? What am I called to? Because we are in a battleground right now to protect children, to tell the world that abortion is bad for women and that we deserve better as a nation. This is a great day to celebrate. Thank you to everyone who's been so involved for years, giving their time and talents in the pro-life movement.